I started this podcast not only to share my thoughts, but to inspire people to think. I'm just stirring the pot. It's up to you to decide if it needs salt or not. I believe thinking is a lost art and common sense is no longer common. People just don't take the time to think things through anymore. They don't take the time to think deeply about most things. We live in an age of information overload where we're told what to think and how and by whom. I believe it's more important to know how to think rather than what to think. I'm a fan of martial arts. I'm not a violent person, but I like to fight. But the best thing that you can do when you're in a fight or a stressful situation is to keep your wits about you. The second best thing you can do is tuck your chin. You can survive almost anything if you tuck your chin. And yes, I am a woman of faith, but God also gave us a brain for a reason. Use it or lose it. Well, folks, we're in the middle of an election, in the middle of the pandemic. And we've got a lot going on in our nation right now. And quite frankly, I got some questions. I started this podcast because I like to think through things, right? I coined a phrase, and by coined, meaning I made it up, and you're hearing about it now, called 360 thinking. And to me, that means thinking about things from all angles, 360 degrees. And as I read, listen to political ads and uh, different things on the radio, you know, ads on TV, YouTube, all over the place. They're just little snippets and sound bites. And quite frankly, I have some questions. What's really going on here? What's really being said? Now, as I said in my podcast about me, who is Colette, go check that out if you haven't to learn a little bit more about me and my background. I I consider myself a bit of a hybrid. Okay, so I grew up in a predominantly white area, but went to an HBCU for my undergrad degree. I grew up in the black church, but now I'm in a church that's uh, mixed race, non-denominational. So I get a little bit of both worlds. Of course, there's more than two, but the two majority worlds, black and white. And being attached to a uh, church with white leadership and attached to the AME church, I'm hearing, you know, different things from different sides. Okay, which leads me to have some questions. On one side, I'm hearing, you know, bunch of pro-Trump rhetoric, and this is, you know, what God wants. And another side, I'm hearing, we got to do better. We got to get this man out of office. And both sides are Christian, you know, Bible-believing people. So I decided, you know, let me just think through this thing, and I, and I have some questions. One of the things that I hear quite often is and I'm going to be blunt about it, it's pertaining to the Republican Party. I hear people say, vote the Bible. But I got a question. What does that mean? What do you mean, vote the Bible? What part of the Bible are, Bible are we voting on or voting for? And people say, you know, God is against abortion. So that's what I mean by vote the Bible. Okay, cool. But where does it say God hates abortion? Are you talking about the part where it says God hates the shedding of innocent blood? 
Because in that same section, it also says that God hates sowing discords among brothers. And what I've seen more in the last four years is discord among brothers. The Bible also says it hates a lying tongue. It also hates a false witness. So what part of the Bible am I voting for? If I'm quote unquote voting Republican and voting Bible. That's a question I have. I got questions. What does that even mean? Another thing I'm noticing is that in this day and age, people are saying a lot of things, but they have different meanings. It's like we all use the same words, but they don't mean the same thing. This was even more evident in the last couple of days when I was having a conversation with my mom and we were talking about kind of the Bible, political, different things. And on the surface, it seemed like we were disagreeing. But when we both explained what we meant, um, then we realized we were on the we're actually on the same page. It's just that when people hear certain words, certain buzzwords mean different things to different people. And especially in these last four years, we've made words have different meaning like the meaning of conservative and liberal and um, what's another one right and left and all those things they have different meanings even christian now i'm even finding that christian has a different meaning than it did before like i feel like in the last four years christian has come to be more synonymous with quote-unquote right-winged republican and when i mean right-winged i mean uh make everything great and white again you know and and christian and christianity has been synonymous with anti-social justice which is not what the bible says at all like i got questions where did you get that from what bible are you reading that god doesn't care about justice so i'm more prone to call myself a follower of the way at this point the way that's when the group in acts you know paul called himself a follower of the way and i'm trying to go back to the original another thing i have a question about is okay so we want to make america great again right okay cool question what time period when are we making america great again because in my humble opinion we have yet to be great you know, we have yet to see the nation that we've written about in our, our Constitution. One nation, I mean, the Pledge of Allegiance, one nation under God with liberty and justice for all. We have yet to see that. So we can make America great again if we have yet to be great. So I got questions. Where's the again coming from? What does that mean? What are we really saying when you say make America great again? When, we, when people say, yeah, I'll support that. Make America great. What does that mean, though? What does greatness look like to you? I got questions. Another question is, okay, so people say that, yeah, this nation was built on Christian principles. This is a Christian nation. Is it? I got questions. Is it? Was it? Is our constitution based on Christian principles? Let's say. For the sake of argument, let's say yes. Let's say yes. Our constitution is based on Christian principles. Our forefathers were Christian and they were led by God to make this nation. For the sake of argument, let's just say yes to that. Okay, one of the original things they wrote was separation of church and state. Huh? So what does that mean? What does that really mean? What does that look like now? So if we have separation of church, church and state... Does that mean we should be looking for our president to have such godly principles? 
If we have separation of church and state and we believe that this nation was built on godly principles, but we have separation of church and state, does should that affect your vote? Is voting the Bible, is that actually correct? If we're doing separation of church and state, what does that mean? What does that even look like? These are, these are questions that I have because I, I think there's a lot of fear mongering going out. People say lots of buzzwords and put out lots of propaganda, but there's no real substance behind it. So I got questions. Okay. Okay, let's say America's a Christian nation. Yeah, okay. But when people say America's a Christian nation, we're going to make America great again. All right, let's say we're going to make America great. And people also believe that black people, African-Americans, that we were meant to be slaves. Like that is the will of God. The Southern Baptist Church. Southern Baptist is called Southern Baptist because the South believed that, you know, black people were not actually people and that we are intended to be slaves and we should always be subject to the white man. That's what people believe, right? Okay. So I got questions. If you're a Christian and you believe that slavery is right and slavery is the will of God and that's why we should do that. How do you interpret the story of Moses? How does that work out? Please explain that to me. I got questions. Okay, because story of Moses, if you're not familiar, go to Exodus, check it out. But I'll give you the Cliff Notes version right now. Or you can write, watch Prince of Egypt on Disney, whatever. But the point is, the people were enslaved and God was fighting on their side to get them out of Egypt, out of slavery. So I got questions. So if you believe black people were meant to be slaves... Where do you see yourself in that story of Moses? Hmm? Could it be that you are Pharaoh? I got questions. And another thing, the Bible says that Pharaoh, that God hardened the heart of Pharaoh. Could it be that God is intentionally hardening people's hearts now to show the foolishness? Could it be? I got questions. Another thing is, I've also been floating in both circles, black and white, conservative, liberal, white church, black church, Democrat and Republican. Me, I'm kind of all over the place. Maybe that's the reason why my favorite color is purple. So there's that. But another thing is I've heard a lot of uh, stories, prophecies or whatever about President Trump, that he was meant to be the, the president of the United States, even if for the second term. Lots of prophecies. Question. What if, what if that is a self-fulfilling prophecy? Now, there are many times in the Bible where God told people, you know, I'm going to destroy this, this land, Sodom and Gomorrah, the people's wickedness, I'm going to destroy them. Or even with Jonah, Jonah, God told Jonah to go to Nineveh and tell the people that he's going to destroy it. And there have been many times when the people hearing a prophecy, hearing this word from God, they straightened up and they changed their ways and what was prophesied did not come to pass. King Hezekiah, I believe it was, he was God, he was told that he was going to die and he turned his face to the wall and he prayed and he prayed to God and God heard his prayer and changed his mind and Hezekiah did not die. He lived another 15 or so years. I can't, I can't think of all the facts right now. Look it up again. Look it up. Don't just believe stuff because you hear it from me. Look it up. 
So I got questions. What if these prophecies that people are hearing and seeing about President Trump are self-fulfilling? What if it's a warning? What if it's if this guy is still in president again, we're going to have more chaos in the land and it's going to continue? What if that's the case? What if God is showing us how crazy of a nation we really are? What if God is just pulling back the covers and showing how people really feel? Because we've seen a lot of that this year. We've we've seen, you know, lots of division because how people really feel, how people really think has really been coming to the forefront in the last four years. And definitely in the last, uh, what, nine months? We're in October in the last 20 in 2020, those last couple of months. So what if God is just showing us how we really feel? And what if it was just what if it's a self fulfilling prophecy and not necessarily what he wants to do? Now, what if? For example, God told Jonah, okay, Nineveh, I'm going to destroy the people. And what if instead of God, I mean, Jonah telling the people, what if he said, well, God's going to destroy it. So let me start setting fires. Let me start burning Nineveh down itself and help God out. What if that's what we're doing? What if that's what we're doing as a nation? I got questions. It reminds me of the Bible with King Saul in Chronicles where Israel wasn't meant to have a king, but Israel insisted on having a king to be like other nations. And so they elected King Saul and the story goes on and on for there. It's in Chronicles. Look it up. So I'm wondering with this thing with President Trump, is it because the people so wanted a president and so wanted uh, this chaos and foolishness happening in our nation? That God gave us exactly what we really wanted? I got questions. Now, I'm not trying to uh, promote one person or the other. I'm not trying to tell people what they should think. I'm just trying to inspire you to think. To think about it. See if what's really going on really lines up with your beliefs. See if what if these things make see if these things actually make sense. Because I got questions. So another thing I was watching the Biden uh, town report the other night on TV. What do you call it? The town hall meeting with Joe Biden. I thought it went well. I thought they asked some really pertinent questions. Uh, They had representatives for both Democrat and Republican. And I felt like they asked questions that a lot of Americans want to know. Again, I got questions. And I like the format of a town hall because it actually gave uh, candidates a a chance to fully answer the question without getting interrupted and pressed for time and all that sort of foolishness, all the foolishness that we saw with the debates, which was crazy. So town hall was a better format, I believe. And uh, and I like the way that it was presented. Now, one of the questions that came up was a mother of two small children and she explained that one of her children now she said their ages were eight and ten and that one of them was trans transgender and i was like whoa at eight or ten man that's quite a decision for a child to make and she asked joe biden about you know transgender rights etc cetera, etc cetera. now his response was in supporting transgender rights in this mother he didn't and a lot of Christians were upset. They say, oh, Joe Biden's ex- supporting this. But here's the thing. It's not his place to condemn that mother for her parenting skills. 
So I got questions. If you think, one, if you don't like Joe Biden's answer, what do you think he was supposed to say? What did you want him to say? Would he been in his rights to say whatever you thought he should have said as an American president trying to represent the entire nation? Do you think it would have been right for him to condemn that mother? I don't think so. I think it would have been out of his lane, personally. So back to Joe Biden and his response to that mother. My question is, where does the authorities, the government's authority lie when it comes to parenting? Where do you draw the line? Where do you draw the line as what the government can, can and cannot say to you and dictate what happens in your own home? I got questions. Because just because you disagree with the whole child transgender thing, and to be quite frank, I do too. I don't think that's any kind of decision a child needs to be making. That's not something a child needs to be thinking about at all. I think kids just need to be kids. Um, but where does that authority lie with the government? How much authority do you want to give the government and where they can tell a parent what they can and cannot do with their own child? You know, because it's the same people who say, oh, he should condemn her and it shouldn't be allowed to do that, da 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 But then also want to yell at the government when they say you can't spank your child. So what? So which is it? Where does their authority lie? What do you want them to say? What should they do? Have we given the government too much say what happens in our homes? Have we not given them enough say what happens in our homes? I got questions. Another question. When people say, ah, I got rights. What does that mean? When do your rights end and my rights begin? Just because you have the right to not wear a mask, does that mean that I have the right to die because you didn't wear a mask? Where about my rights? I got questions. Where does it end? When I was in elementary school, I heard a quote that said, My right to swing my fist ends where the other man's nose begins. And that has stuck with me ever since then. So when we think about rights, of course, yes, we all have rights. But when your rights start infringing upon someone else's or when your rights are based off of someone else being wronged, that's a problem. I think we're expecting our candidates to do more than what they're supposed to do. I think we need to all look to see what each candidate, Senate, representative, congressman, judge, jury, jury, (laughs) jury. (laughs) We just see what these people's job descriptions are and see if we're actually demanding more from them than what we expect or what they're actually liable to do. No, maybe that's a great American thing to do. We, I think we do demand more from people than what their job description entails. Other duties as assigned. We expect teachers to be moms, nurses, and short order cooks, you know. But really, I got, I got questions. I think we need to look more deeply into what are these people supposed to do. And we vote for a candidate because they say whatever we think they're going to say. The question is, do they even have the right to implement that? Do they even have the power to do that? Hmm. I got questions. Because you might be voting for a candidate that promises to do something that is not within his or her power to actually do. An example of an office that doesn't have absolute power 
is a student body president. Now, while we're electing presidents, candidates, and everything, we expect them to to do certain things that may not be in their power. Just think of like a student body president at a high school or middle school, and all the students are making their speeches and why they should people should vote for them. And one kid gets up there and says, "If I'm elected student body president, I'm going to make sure there's." ice cream in the cafeteria and pizza party every friday ah! and the whole auditorium goes wild and everybody's like yeah i'm voting for this kid and they elect this kid as student body president when all reality is the student body president doesn't have control of those things but they just say whatever they want in order to p- get people on board and then the silly students are like yay i'm voting for chad he's gonna make sure there's ice cream in the cafeteria and that's not Chad's job. Like, Chad does not have any power over that. And then halfway through the semester, you realize, hey, there's no ice cream. We hate Chad. If you did your research in the beginning, you would know that Chad does not have that type of power. Now, going back to Joe Biden for a minute, during the town hall meeting, town hall meeting, he was asked a question and he laid out his plan. And the host, commentator, don't remember that guy's name, he explicitly said to Joe Biden, oh, is that exactly what you're going to do if you're elected president? And Joe was honest, and he said, I've got to get the votes first. (laughs) I think that was a key element that we've been missing lately. I like that he was honest about, hey, the president does not have ultimate power. He doesn't. He's got to get the support of Congress before things actually happen. It makes me think of that scene from Hamilton when Hamilton is doing the battle at the with Congress and him and George, not George Washington, Thomas Jefferson are going back and forth about Hamilton's financial plan. And um, Jefferson's taunting him. You don't have the votes. You don't have the votes. Uh, ha, ha, ha. You're going to need congressional approval and you don't have the votes. That's exactly how it still is now. So when people are like, oh, the president, he's going to do this and this and that, uh, if he has the votes. And I like how Joe Biden brought this up again because I believe Biden learned just how hard it is when he was working with the uh, Obama administration. There were so many things President Obama wanted to do that Congress just outright blocked, not because they didn't agree, but they just didn't like it. Not that, not that they had a different plan. They just didn't like his. And I'm seeing that also now with like the way COVID is being handled. I've yet to see a plan from President Trump. And O'Biden has, and O'Biden, <laughs> Biden has laid out a plan. So it's not that, it, like in Hamilton, when, they, when Hamilton says, they don't even have their own plan. They just hate mine. I, yep, I feel like that's exactly what's happening right now. Who knew that Lee Manuel Miranda was low-key a prophet? I feel that the age of information that we are in is leaving us less informed. We're so used to having information at our fingertips and right there in a back pocket. We're used to be able to find answers whenever we need them, but we're so used to answers that we rarely ask the right questions. I recently heard a sermon by Stephen Furtick about questions. There are things that we don't know simply because we don't ask the right questions. 
In Jeremiah 33, 3, the Lord says, ask me and I will tell you things you did not know. And the Bible also says you have not because you ask not. For example, the protests and the riots that we see happening now, some people are getting so upset and hyper focused on what is happening instead of asking why. Or we listen to polit- promises of politicians of, where pl- of what they're going to do that we rarely ask how. For the next week, I challenge you to ask some questions and pull back the lens. Zoom out of your current view and seek some answers. Thanks for kicking it with me. Bye now.